today, I'm joined with Kyra Howarth, a herbalist who's passionate. <laughs> today, I'm joined with Kyra Howarth, a herbalist whose passion is helping couples to overcome fertility troubles and balancing hormones. In this podcast, Kyra and I are going to be chatting about all things herbal medicine and fertility, how herbs can help you to optimize your fertility for the best chance to conceive and how herbs can help you to overcome some of the common issues that affect fertility. When it comes to difficulty conceiving, this can be a really heartbreaking issue for some couples. The emotions that people may experience as they deal with issues conceiving can range from blame, anger, denial, guilt, self-pity or or jealousy, and it can all be really all-encompassing. There can be a lot of stress put on the relationship and each month, uh, the lead up to the period is to a period is a time of great angst and stress and anticipation. And you know, if the period arrives, that can be incredibly disappointing and heartbreaking. As practitioners who are emotionally invested in helping our patients through this journey, it can be an emotional experience too for us. And of course, nowhere near the level of the patients, but. We, we're there for the highs and the lows of this journey as well. And so speaking from personal experience, you know, getting the message or a phone call that a couple has conceived, it, like, that can be some of the best moments clinically. And I'm, I'm sure Kyra would be able to say the same. So I'm excited to have Kyra here today. Kyra works with couples trying to conceive in her clinic in Tamworth. And she also helps couples through her online preconception programs. She has four children of her own, although she has had some fertility issues along the way. So thanks for joining us, Kara. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here chatting with you today. That's awesome. So Kara, when was it that you decided you wanted to focus on the area of hormones and fertility? Yep, so uh, not long after I started practicing, I actually had a close family member um, uh, start talking to me about her journey trying to conceive and wanting some help with that. And I came to the realization um, that, you know, I had had four children myself and I had my own journey through fertility as well. And so this kind of put me in a, new, a unique position where I had the, um, like the personal experience as well as the um, like education to help other women through, through their own journeys um, to improving their fertility. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think that's really what prompted me, just, um, yeah, helping that family member and, yeah, coming to the realisation that I can help other women with this as well because I've been through it too. So you got that experience close to home and then you were able to go from there and start branching out and helping other people. That's awesome. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess, like I was saying before, when you do work with it in a clinical setting, it can be some of the um, most like satisfying thing to do is to help a couple achieve as well. <laughs> yes, yes, it really is, especially as you said before, like, you know, when you do get that, that pregnancy announcement with a couple that you've been working with the past few months, like it, it just is such a joyous moment, like to think that you've made such a difference in their lives. Definitely. So I guess um, I want to talk about, you know, what sort of issues are affecting fertility and that sort of thing today. But before we go any further, I, I just wanted to talk, do a little bit of a clarification of different terms. 
So there's things like subfertility and fertility that often get used interchangeably, um, but they're actually a little bit different. So subfertile means that um, you as a couple still have a chance to conceive naturally, but it just it takes a lot longer than others. Whereas infertile means that your chance of conceiving naturally is actually extremely small. And you usually get labelled as this if you've been trying to, given this diagnosis, if you've been trying to conceive for greater than a year. Another term is actually sterile, which is uh, means that you're unable to conceive at all, or at least without medical assistance. So most couples who have been trying for over a year will be classed as being infertile and then will reach out to a practitioner for help. However, I guess I want to put it out there that if the couple is older than 35, then it's really important that they seek help earlier than this. So, um, Kari, do you have any statistics on fertility issues here in Australia? Yes, well, approximately 40% of um, infertility cases are due to um, factors to do with the male and 40% are to do with factors due to the female. And in 10% of the cases, it's due to um, factors in both of the um, male and female in the couple. And then on top of that, there's another 10% where the cause is just unknown or um, unexplained. And what are some of the common causes of fertility issues? Yeah, um, so some of the common causes that I see in my clinic are often due to hormonal conditions. I see a lot of women with PCOS or endometriosis. Um, or even just women who have been taking um, like the contraceptive pill or other hormonal contraceptives for long periods of time. And this really affects their hormones. So when it comes to trying to conceive, they're not ovulating. Um, and so obviously if you're not ovulating, you can't conceive. So that's probably one of the biggest things I see. Um, but another common cause is also when, uh, when there's deficiencies like uh, vitamin or nutrient deficiencies. A really common one I see is a vitamin D deficiency. Um, also, zinc deficiencies um, in both the male and female can affect um, their hormones. Um, and also iodine is another big one that um, we are seeing more frequently here in Australia. Yeah, and so I guess something like a vitamin D deficiency is really common and heaps of people might know that that's an issue for them, but they wouldn't associate that with ha having difficulty conceiving. Yes, that's um, right. Yeah, so but going back to those statistics before, for those people that have that unexplained infertility, is are those sorts of things contributing to, to that? Or what about, um, like, what sort of things are affecting that that we know of as yeah. herbalists and, like, as a naturopath or but you're as a herbalist? Yeah, so I find that with couples who come to my clinic, it is often because, you know, they've been to the GP and they've been down this route and... Um, you know, their doctor just doesn't know why they can't conceive. And so this is why, you know, they often turn to us as, um, you know, naturopathic practitioners. And I do find in these cases, investigating it, um, you know, from a holistic, uh, holistic perspective, um, looking at the things like I've just mentioned, like the um, vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Um, yeah, I, I do find that it just takes a little bit of further investigation into why this couple can't conceive. Like I don't think unexplained infertility, um, you know, is necessarily like, you know, you, you just can't have a baby. Like it's, it's just, it just needs a bit of more investigation. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think we are seeing an increase in, in, in fertility issues? Yeah, well, um, 
I think um, particularly talking about the women that I see in my clinic, um, it's often because, um, you know, these days, a lot of girls are starting on like the pill and other contraceptives from a young age, like, you know, they're 15 or something. And then they're on the contraceptive pill or other form of contraception right up until their 30s when they finally do feel ready to conceive. And because they have been suppressing ovulation and their hormones have been disrupted for such a long time, um, you know, they come off the pill or, um, you know, have their other um, <laughs> uh, hormonal contraceptive stopped. Um, and, you know, they're presenting with these problems. Like I often find these sorts of women present with PCOS or, um, you know, PCOS type symptoms. Um, so I think, I think that is probably one of the biggest reasons why we are seeing an increase in fertility issues, just because, um, you know, we do have this greater access to hormonal, hormonal contraceptives. And the risks just aren't explained to girls when they're like 15 or 16. Like, you know, they're just taking it to, you know, clear their acne or something like that. And they don't realise that taking it for such a long time can affect them when they do want to have a baby. Yeah, so the oral contraceptive pill doesn't just work um, as a contraceptive when, while you're taking it. For some people, it's, you know, working long after. I guess not yeah, everyone yeah. has that sort of reaction to it, so it's not really widely known that it can cause those sorts of issues, particularly the way that it affects um, insulin resistance and can go on to affect PCOS as well. Like that's something that not many people really know about as well. Yes, that's totally right. So how do you, can we talk about how you use herbs to help with fertility? Yeah, so um, I use herbs to really treat the root cause of why a couple is having trouble conceiving. So this can be, um, you know, helping them with their hormones or it can be looking at other things like, um, you know, their stress. If, you know, they're a couple who have a lot of stress in their lives, they're really busy with their work all the time. And, um, you know, I think stress is really an underlying factor for a lot of couples who are trying to conceive. Um, and especially because it's such a stressful time as well. Like, <laughs> I think most couples trying to conceive can definitely benefit from herbs that can help reduce stress. Um, I also use herbs to help with treating underlying conditions that may affect fertility. Um, so like hypothyroidism um, is one that I commonly see. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably, yeah, probably the main ways that I use herbs in a nutshell. Yeah. And what about um, herbs for affecting the reproductive organs themselves? Do you um, work with that a lot as well, like uterine tonics, um, those, sorts of, those sorts of areas? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so there are a number of herbs that I do use frequently um, for the female fertility clients I see. Um, and some of these um, are like chase tree. It's a really great one for regulating hormones and um, helping to prevent miscarriages. So if someone is, um, does have a history of miscarriages, that's a really nice one I like to put in. Um, and uterine tonics are fantastic for strengthening the uterus prior to conceiving. I, um, I'm always really wary of using uterine tonics though. Like I always like to be safe because I don't want women to be taking something and then for it to um, possibly start contractions, um, you know, before, um, like, you know, after they've conceived. Um, so I, I'm very cautious with how I use herbs with my fertility clients, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm the same. And that's one of the reasons why I find doing the two formulas throughout the cycle can be really helpful. So like your, your yeah, follicular yeah. phase and your luteal phase blends as well. I, I love doing that. And the other thing um, I particularly like along those lines is doing steroidal saponin pulsing. Do you do, you do much of that? Um, I do, but I haven't actually done that for fertility, but that is a wonderful idea. <laughs> yeah. So, well, for those that don't know about it, it's really great for people with amenorrhea and for issues with not getting your period. And so there are a group of herbs, things like Tribulus and Shadavari that are classed as these steroidal saponins. And so we, I um, use them, I do 14 days on, 14 days off. And that just really helps to kickstart ovulation and get your cycle going. So there's lots of options for people who don't have a period as well when it comes to getting that working as well. So um, there's so much stuff, isn't there? I mean, what about things like um, adhesions and um, cysts and like breaking up? Well, I guess we could just call a bit of junk down there as well. Do you, use, do you like to use herbs for that? Um, I haven't really had too many clients where I've had to deal with this sort of thing, um, but a herb that I have um, seen uh, good, um, uh, I think studies is probably what I'm looking for, good studies about in regards to this is Suya. Um, it's supposed to be a really great anti-cystic herb, so really good for women who have cysts in the ovaries and to clear those out. Yeah. Yep. I know the studies that you're talking about with that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, so I guess, I mean, clinically, I have found that, like, sometimes when there's adhesions, like, um, after laparoscopies, some, particularly when there's the laser-type laparoscopies, women do tend to develop a lot of adhesions with that. And so I really love using circulatory stimulants um, and um, things like calendula and echinacea to really help healing in that area as well. So, I mean, I just love... That we're having this conversation today because there's so much wonderful things that herbs can do for, for that area as well and even things like yes, can certainly be helpful in there too i guess while we're on that topic there are certainly some things that herbs can't do so if your tubes are completely blocked you know we're never really going to be able to address that really really thoroughly <laughs> yes yes that's and herbs don't just have to be for women for fertility issues either. There's quite a lot of studies that have been done on herbal medicine for working with, with sperm issues, male factor fertilities and um, issues. And things like withania and um, panax ginseng are really great. And tribulus is another one that helps to boost testosterone issues. So, um, I mean, as far as nutritional supplements go, those are really, really important when it comes to addressing different sperm factors. Some of them, the most common things that I see clinically are um, issues to do with um, morphology, um, in which case any oxidant herbs can be really, really great. So um, that's things like maritime pine and grapeseed extract can be helpful in those areas. And then when it comes to, comes to motility issues, that's where um, things like panax ginseng is really helpful. And withania helps with pretty much all the different factors of sperm health. Yes, yeah, that's a really um, wonderful bunch of herbs that you just mentioned for male fertility. Yes, definitely. So do you see many people who are also doing IVF and other types and need other types of fertility assistant treatments? Um, so I haven't actually had many um, clients yet who 
are currently doing IVF. I find a lot of, um, probably about half of my fertility clients, they are considering IVF for the future. So, um, you know, they've been to the GP and they've been to see um, the um, fertility specialist here. And like, you know, they're kind of on the fence about whether they need to do IVF just yet. So they come and see me, um, you know, for like, you know, improving their general health and trying to improve other factors like weight loss and things like that that can improve their fertility. Um, and then, you know, IVF will be the next step if, if we can't get the ball rolling with herbs. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because sometimes if you deal with things beforehand, you don't need to do IVF. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it all, all depends on the person. Um, certainly if there's actual structural issues like physical issues, IVF can be really helpful. But when it comes to supporting egg health and supporting ovulation and supporting sperm health, there's so much that we can do um, prior to IVF. And it just saves so much money and so much stress because, I, I mean, IVF, I've seen so many people go through it and it's just so much hard work. All those needles, all those hormonal and emotional ups and downs. It's just, it's really hard. And unfortunately, it's not always that successful either. For some people it can be, which is awesome. But I just think it's so important to deal with egg health first and sperm health and just get those factors as as good as possible. And another really good thing is you've got to really get that fertile mucus working for you too. So there's so many different areas that we need to look at with fertility and it's like the mucus, it's the egg health, it's the uterus, it's the sperm, and it's a whole, whole hormonal and stress balance of both partners in this area as well. And so I think all of those need to be as good as possible before undergoing IVF, if that's, if that's the case. And um, yeah, herbs work wonders for that. But when it comes to actually doing IVF, I've had a few cases that I've worked with that. And um, sometimes it can be like doing all those things that we've just been talking about and boosting egg health as much as possible and sperm health as much as possible prior to transfer and then go off all the herbs um, except for maybe one or two. It depends on what their process they're actually doing during the transfer and then post-transfer. It's about things that we call like, you know, holding onto the eggs and like getting that environment really healthy and happy so that it retains and making sure that all those new in there for that development of the blastocyst and to go on from from there so those things are really really important and um, in in Tamworth do you have many other sorts of practitioners that you've worked alongside like acupuncturists as well yes um, I do have quite a number of fertility clients who also go to see an acupuncturist which is fantastic um, just to have that multimodality approach I think that is really important um, yeah, so um, I do find that the acupuncturists here in Tamworth do have great results with improving fertility as well. So um, it's a total win for my clients. That's awesome. Yeah, I love working with acupuncturists as well. And there's some awesome ones around my area too. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so that's fertility side of things. So let's talk a little bit about what is preconception care and why, why do you think it's important? Yeah, so preconception care is really based on the fact that um, for females, our eggs take um, about 100 days to reach those final stages of maturation before they are released 
um, you know, before ovulation. <laughs> um, so during those hundred days, it's so important to do everything that we can to nourish ourselves and nourish those eggs so that they are the highest quality that we can possibly make them. And it's really similar for males as well. Their sperm takes 75 days to reach those final stages of development. And so those 75 days are just vital to, um, you know, for increasing sperm health and, um, you know, just reducing any risks that could harm, um, you know, the health of the sperm or the eggs. Um, so, yeah, I do feel it's really important, um, you know, for all aspects of trying to conceive, whether you're going to be going through IVF or just trying to conceive naturally, um, preconception care is super important. And how long do you usually recommend people go through that program for? Um, normally three to four months is pretty good um, because as I said, um, the eggs take 100 days. So that's a bit over three months. So four months um, is, you know, a pretty good time frame. And during that time frame, it is good for the couple to just stop trying to conceiving and just, um, you know, work on improving the health of their eggs and sperm so that when they do try to conceive, um, you know, their eggs and sperm are going to be the highest quality that they can possibly make them through, um, you know, herbs, but also nutrition um, and also lifestyle as well. Like, you know, really encompassing all those healthy, um, you know, factors that influence the health of um, eggs and sperm. So, yeah, four, four months is really optimal. Yeah, awesome. Okay, and so what would be your top three diet and lifestyle tips for a woman trying to conceive? Yeah, okay. Um, so I would really have to say my top tip is to adopt uh, like a whole foods, plant-based diet. Um, there's been studies that have shown that uh, the consumption of plant-based proteins versus animal-based proteins can improve your fertility, whereas the opposite is also true. If you're consuming more animal-based proteins, um, that can decrease your fertility. Um, so I always, um, you know, encourage my fertility clients to eat more things like lentils and chickpeas and beans and that sort of thing. Um, and also, as I said, a whole foods diet is also super important. So that's, you know, cutting out any refined junk foods um, and just, you know, focusing on fresh, healthy foods. Um, so that would be my top tip. <laughs> um, my second biggest tip would be all around reducing stress and just improving stress adaptation. So doing things like yoga and meditation are really helpful at this stage um, because our stress levels really affect our hormones and stress has also been linked to things like miscarriage and difficulty conceiving. So I find that, that you know, treating that stress aspect is also really important when we're trying to conceive. Um, and my third biggest tip, uh, it might be to improve sleep. I don't think many women realise just how their sleep can affect their chances of conceiving because, again, um, you know, when we're not sleeping enough, that's going to affect our hormones and affect, you know, ovulation and things like that. So um, improving our sleep is a really big one, especially, like, you know, if you're um, like, you know, staying up late and having difficulties sleeping throughout the night and then having to get up early in the morning to go to work, it all increases your stress levels as well. So I guess the sleep part really ties into the stress as well. I love that you mentioned that tip about sleep. Well, those are all great tips, but I think that that's a really important one. Okay, so what are your top tips for a man? 
Yeah, so I find with men, those tips I've just said for women all really apply to men as well. Um, but some extra tips for men, um, I find that the men often, they don't realise like, you know, a lot of the things that they're doing are affecting their chances of conceiving with their wife or partner. Um, so, you know, they still often like, you know, smoking cigarettes or uh, smoking cigarettes <laughs> or drinking alcohol, or you know, drinking lots of coffee during the day and things like that. And they don't realize that all these things can affect their sperm health and ultimately affect their chances of conceiving. So, um, yeah, just really getting on top of things like that. Like, you know, if they need help to quit smoking, like this is a really fantastic time because they do have that you know, that big goal to work towards, having a baby. So it's, um, you know, really motivating time to make really healthy um, habits like that stick. Um, but also, yeah, coffee um, can be a big one as well um, because uh, there has been a study that has shown with men that caffeine, it increases the motility of the sperm, but um, can also uh, affect the morphology of the sperm. So um, it's, um, it's really best to avoid caffeine as well. Yep, yep. It makes me think of that study that they did, and I mean, I guess you could call it a study uh, with, with spiders, where they had all the different drugs and they uh, made all these weird, um, weird webs. <laughs> and so wow. the ones that were given the caffeine um, did the web really fast, but it actually wasn't all that great quality. <laughs> wow wow that's so interesting <laughs> yeah so maybe it's the same for sperm so they'll get there really fast but they're just a bit a bit wonky <laughs> yes <laughs> and well you know that's how I feel when I drink caffeine because I don't drink coffee and if I do have caffeine like that is how I feel like you know I do everything fast but it's just not done well <laughs> yeah I think that if you need a cup of coffee to do some work, probably the thing that you could do better would be five minutes of mindfulness because while a lot of people think that if you like, have a lot of work to do, you shouldn't do those mindfulness exercises because it takes time, but actually it makes you so much more productive and gives your brain just that bit more energy and recharges you as well. So I guess yes, maybe men should right, do that right, before right. sex. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> okay uh, so what is your favorite fertility herb oh wow so how to choose my favorite fertility herb like there's just so many it's like you know trying to choose your favorite child uh let's see um I would have to say withanium even though it's not specifically a fertility herb but it is just wonderful on so many levels um, for those who are watching who aren't really familiar with withania, it's also called ashwagandha and it's a traditional Indian herb and it's um, an adaptogen so it helps with that stress adaptation um, but withania, um, you know, it's also uh, great for our immune systems, um, it's also a nice sedating, calming herb so it can help with sleep problems as well um, and uh, also um, as you mentioned earlier, it's, you know, great for improving sperm health as well. So it's a really fantastic, um, yeah, all-round herb that I love to use. I, I probably use that with about 90% of my clients. <laughs> awesome. I love with any issue. Um, okay. And I know you have some really wonderful offerings at the moment. Can you talk a little bit about those? 
So I, um, I do run a preconception program a number of times per year. And it's an online program where I walk through, um, you know, with a small group of women trying to conceive, I walk them through various factors that can help improve their fertility. And, um, you know, because we are working on such a small group level, I find it's really beneficial for them to also have that support of, um, you know, other women who are trying to conceive because it is, you know, such a stressful time and you can feel really alone, especially if you aren't, um, you know, telling other family members because you don't want that added stress. Um, you know, it can be really nice to have that group to connect with. Um, so, yeah, the, um, the preconception uh, program, um, the next round should be uh, ready for enrolment um, probably late February or early March at this stage. That sounds wonderful. And I love the way that you've got that there so that they've got support for each other. And then it'll be just so exciting when, like, you know, someone conceives and they can cheer each other on. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so how can people get in contact with you? Okay. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm Kyra Howarth Herbalist. Um, and you can also find me on my website, which is kyrahoweth.com.au. And on my website, you'll find free resources like my fertility cheat sheet, um, and other um, yeah, various resources and how to book consultations and all that sort of fun stuff. That's awesome. And people are very lucky to have so many um, resources that you're offering to them as well. Yeah. So yes, I, yes, think, yes. <laughs> I think we've had some awesome information today and hopefully we've been able to help some people out there and spread the word about all the awesome stuff that herbs can do to help with fertility for both men and women. Um, so thank you again. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Thank you, thank you so much. everyone for listening. <laughs> uh, so please subscribe, please leave us an awesome review and I guess we'll catch you next time. All right, so bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>